Welcome to this week's presentation with Scott Toole. We are thrilled to have you joining us as we gain insight from God's Word. Now, speaking from Rosedale Baptist Church in Baltimore, Maryland, here's Pastor Toole. Take our Bibles and turn to the book of James. The book of James as we continue to walk through the whole counsel of God. Uh, in fact, uh, we're in James for the third time uh, since we've been here. Uh, because all Scripture is given by inspiration of God and is profitable, all of it is, for doctrine, for reproof, for correction, instruction, and righteousness. And though all of it is, some of it speaks more specifically to the daily lives that we live, uh, the relevancy of it. And, and James uh, would absolutely be that. He speaks to our day-to-day, -day, our, our everyday. In fact, James is quite the contrast to the book of Ephesians. Remember Ephesians, how... The first three chapters, there was only one imperative. Uh, there was only one directive. Uh, there was only one, one command. Uh, there were all indicatives, what we are in Christ, who he's made us to be in Christ, the blessings we receive because of Christ. Uh, the only imperative in one through three was remember. Remember who you are. Remember what he's done. Remember the blessings uh, that you have in Christ. First three chapters. Uh, you don't get out of the second verse uh, in James, before he's giving you nuts and bolts, directives, uh, imperatives. In fact, uh, there's more imperatives and directives and commands per square inch of this book than any other book in the Bible. Uh, in the 108 verses of James, uh, we're going to have 61 imperatives, 61 directives, 61 tangible takeaways to implement in our life. Uh, and, and so uh, the contrast is so, so uh, incredibly clear. Uh, it, and, and because of that, because of that, uh, I, I thought about entitling the series, series How Faith Functions. How Faith Functions, where uh, Ephesians 3 chapters, we're saved, the blessings, we're saved, here's what we're given, we're saved, here's who we are in Christ. Uh, James, right out of the gate, says, now, here's how faith fleshes out. Here's how faith hits every area, every part of our life. Uh, real faith works. Active faith works. Faith on display. The gospel on the ground. Uh, and I thought of so many different, so many different titles for that. Uh, how does faith flesh out? Uh, in fact, there's a, a t-shirt. I don't know if you've seen it or not that people are wearing. Jesus is bigger than Sundays. Jesus is bigger than Sundays. Uh, and if the only thing that Jesus has changed in your life are your Sundays, you're doing it wrong. Because this changes everything. This changes everything. Faith, the gospel, uh, the Lord Jesus Christ, being a Christian, this. And if any man be in Christ, he's a new creature. Old things are passed away. Behold, all things, all things, everything. This changes everything. Uh, all things are become new, or all things passing away, all things becoming new. Uh, and James shows us, it helps us see how that that, that faith we have in him, uh, our salvation, our being born again, uh, the gospel, how that touches every single area uh, of our life. And so if you're there in the book of James, chapter 1, verse 1, let's read the first word together. Are you ready? Say it. James. Let's do it again. You ready? James. Now, keep in mind, this isn't the James of James and John, the sons of Zebedee, the sons of Thunder, 
Uh, that would be an Apostle James, probably the biggest James in, in all of the Bible. Uh, it's also not James, the son of Alphaeus, which is another apostle, two James uh, in the twelve. Uh, it's also not the father of Judas, James, the father of Judas, uh, another apostle. Uh, this is the half-brother of the Lord Jesus Christ. Uh, uh, his older brother, his older half-brother uh, was the Lord Jesus Christ. Of course, they had the same moms, totally different dads, totally different dads. Uh, but they did have the same mom. Now look at verse number one again. If you or I would have written it, uh, number one, we would have signed the bottom of it. He signs the top of it. Uh, I'm glad we don't have to turn over to see who wrote it before we read it. Uh, right out of the gate, James, James. Uh, now, uh, if you or I wrote it, we probably would have name dropped James. My big brother is the Lord Jesus Christ. James, uh, I'm the younger. You better listen up, half brother. Uh, I, I grew up with him. I saw him. I, I spent time in the same house with No, no. Uh, he doesn't, doesn't name drop. He says, James, a servant, a servant. James, a servant of God and of the Lord Jesus Christ. Now, uh, again, just to try to shore this up for those that are from uh, maybe a church background that teaches the eternal virginity of Mary or, or some false doctrine. The Bible doesn't teach that. Uh, now, we do know that for the Father, Jesus is the only begotten of the Father, uh, uh, for Father God, His Father. Uh, he's conceived of the Holy Spirit of God. But for Mary, Matthew chapter 1 says that Joseph, her espoused, her espoused, her her engaged husband knew her not, virgin, birth, virgin, uh, conception, virgin, uh, delivery. He knew her not until, until she brought forth her firstborn son. Her first, implying there's a second, a second, her firstborn son. Uh, implying that there's a second uh, and a third. In fact, uh, just to kind of shore this up, remember when he was ministering in, uh, in his hometown, uh, he did not many mighty works there because of their, because of their unbelief. And in uh, Matthew chapter 13, uh, they, they said, Is not this the carpenter's son? Uh, is not his mother called Mary and his brethren, James? Wait a second. There's his half-brother. Uh, is not his mother called Mary uh, and his brother, James, James, uh, and Joseph and Simon and Jew, Jew, Judas, uh, and his sisters, are they not all with us? And so uh, there's only one begotten of the Father, Heavenly Father, the only begotten of the Father, uh, Jesus Christ. But for Mary, uh, he had a lot of half-brothers and a lot of half-sisters. Uh, you see it again in Matthew chapter 12. Uh, while he talked to the people, he's uh, inside of the house, he's healing, he's blessing. Behold, his mother and his brethren stood without uh, desiring to speak with him. Then uh, one said unto him, Behold, thy mother and thy brethren stand without, desiring to speak with thee. But he answered and said unto them, Who is my mother and who are my brethren but they that do the will of God? We know the passage. Uh, and I say all that to say, uh, this is the half-brother, uh, probably the oldest, younger brother uh, of the Lord Jesus Christ. And he didn't trust Christ or believe in Christ until after the resurrection. And so James, James, uh, the one that wrote this, uh, the one that wrote this, half-brother, younger, probably the oldest younger brother uh, of Christ, uh, James, but he didn't place faith in him until after the resurrection. And you see that in John chapter 7, after these things, Jesus walked in Galilee. Uh, his brethren therefore said unto him, Depart hence and go into Judea, that thy disciples, that thy disciples, 
we're not one of your disciples. We're family. Uh, we, we think we know better. Uh, that thy disciples also may see the works that thou doest. For there's no man that doeth anything in secret, uh, and he himself seeketh to be known openly. If, if thou doest these things, show thyself to the world, for neither did his brethren believe in him. Is everybody with me so far? And we're trying to give you the, the flight plan. The flight plan of James. Because uh, if you don't know uh, where you're going, you'll get lost uh, along the way. And so uh, we're giving you the flight plan. It, it's written by James, half-brother uh, of Jesus Christ. Uh, he didn't get saved. He didn't trust Christ. Didn't place his faith in Christ until after the resurrection. There he could do no uh, mighty works because of their unbelief. Their unbelief. Uh, and his brethren did not believe in him. So the question is this. What would cause, and I'm sure James was intrigued by him, curious about him, but didn't place his faith in him. Uh, when they grew up together, uh, I'm sure uh, intrigued by him, curious about him, but didn't place his faith uh, in him till after the resurrection. So my question is this, what would cause an unbelieving James to go from that to being in the upper room with 120, he's named, with 120 in Acts chapter 1? Uh, what would cause an unbelieving and unsaved, uh, not putting place, didn't believe uh, in Christ, uh, to being one of the early church leaders in Acts chapter 12? Uh, even to the point he, he presided over the Jerusalem council uh, in Acts chapter 15, one of the biggest doctrinal debates they had, James presided over that. Uh, what would cause a, a, a fellow that did not believe to become the pastor at the church at Jerusalem in Acts 21, uh, even to be called a pillar in the early church, Galatians chapter 2. Hey, for him, what changed everything? It was the gospel. The gospel, the Lord Jesus Christ. The death, burial, uh, and resurrection of Jesus Christ. When he got that, when he saw that, for him, this changed everything. 1 Corinthians 15. Uh, Paul, describing what the gospel is, the gospel is the death, burial, uh, resurrection of the Lord Jesus Christ. Verse number one. Moreover, brethren, I declare unto you the, this, this, the, the gospel. This changes everything. Uh, and then in verse number three, he says, describing and elaborating on it, for I delivered unto you, first of all, that which also I received, how that Christ died, part of the gospel, died for our sins, according to the scripture, uh, and that he was buried, it's the death, burial, and resurrection, died and was buried, and that he rose again the third day according to the script. Hey, that's the gospel. That's the gospel. What's interesting about this passage, it talks about uh, 500 and, and, and some plus people that, that he was seen by after the resurrection. It names two. It names two. Look at it. Okay, death, burial, resurrection, gospel, verse 5. And, and that he was seen of Cephas, that's Simon Peter, Peter was a pretty big deal in the early church, okay? Uh, Simon Peter, uh, he was seen uh, 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 of Cephas, Simon Peter, then of the 12, not named. Uh, after that, he was seen of about 500 brethren, not named at once, uh, of whom the greater part remain unto this present, but some are fallen asleep. After that, he was seen of, say it, of James. Why would he go out of his way to, to name James? It's because before the resurrection, before he saw Christ, risen from the dead. Uh, he didn't believe. He was unsaved. He didn't have his faith in Christ. Neither did his brethren believe. But the gospel, but the gospel here 
This changes everything. Old things passed away. Behold, all things are become new. And James is a great example of how this, how the gospel changes everything. I want to give you a flyby, kind of a flight plan of the next five chapters quickly, just to show you the chapters of change that the gospel should make in our lives. I want to kind of just give you a sampling of it, a sampling sample platter of that, kind of a taste of, of what we're going to see over the next four months. But, but the first chapter of change, the gospel, put down number one, chapter one, prods me to be positive in a pandemic. Write that down. Uh, to be positive under pressure. Under pressure. Uh, next week we'll talk about that. Uh, how to be positive in a pandemic. Uh, look at verse number two. My brethren, count it all joy when you fall into divers trials, struggles, burdens, temptations. Knowing this is the trying of your faith work with patience, but let patience have a perfect work that you may be perfect and entire, wanting nothing. Where the first chapter the gospel changes in my life uh, is how I respond to problems and pressure. And I get, I get we all have them. We all go through them. Uh, we're all going through this, but the gospel should change how I handle pressure. The gospel should change how I react to problems. Well, am I being blown away or am I being built up? Do I get nervous and uptight? Uh, or am I calm as I'm leaning on the everlasting arms of Christ? Well, this changes everything. This changes everything. Uh, keep in mind, it changed nothing around him, but it changed everything about him. Uh, it changed, the gospel changed nothing outside of him, but it changed everything inside of him. And again, uh, we all have stuff we're going through. We're all uh, going through a pandemic, but during it, how is it going? How is it going? By the gospel. This changes, look at verse number 12. Blessed is the man that endureth temptation, trials, burdens, pressure. For when he is tried, he shall receive the crown of life, which the Lord hath promised to them that love him. The gospel, this changes everything. And the first chapter of change, chapter 1, uh, it causes me, prods me, to be positive under pressure. Put down chapter 2. We're just giving a flyby, kind of a sampling of what we're going to see next four months. Chapter 2, it shapes me to be sensitive to people. It shapes me, the gospel does, the gospel does. Uh, if the gospel received me, we should receive others. Uh, if the gospel received me, we should receive others. Hey, if God's love is big enough for me, our love for, should be big enough for them. Look at verse number 8 of chapter 2. Chapter 1, positive in a pandemic. Chapter 2, sensitive to people. Verse 8, if ye fulfill the royal law according to the scriptures, thou shalt love thy neighbor as thyself, ye do well. I think in the Greek it means uh, thou shalt love thy neighbor. Republicans love Democrats. Democrats love Republicans. Black people love white people. White people love black people. You see, if the gospel is big enough to include me, then my love for others should be big enough to include everyone that's different than me. Changes everything. This, 
The gospel changes everything. Now, chapter 2, 1 through 6, we're going to see that, that we need to not show favoritism. Don't show favoritism. Inversely, don't show prejudice. Don't be a snob. Don't look down on people. Don't think you're better than. Don't judge by appearance. Don't insult someone. Don't exploit someone. The gospel, the gospel, if it's big enough to include me, it's big enough to include them. Now again, uh, this is the flight plan. Because if you're not going, if you're not knowing where we're going, you're going to get lost along the way. Chapter 1, chapter 1, talk about how, how to be positive in a pandemic. Chapter 2, uh, how to be sensitive to people. Put down chapter 3. We're just kind of giving an overview, an overview, a sampling, a, a taste of what we're going to see next four months. Much more than this. But the third chapter of change, the gospel matures me to master my mouth. Some of us may need to skip that Sunday. But anyway, uh, to master, I promise you, we're all going to want to skip that Sunday, but uh, it causes us, uh, you, you see, it, 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 well, show me uh, the relevancy, the relevancy of the Word of God. Hey, you came for the right series. This is going to hit us where we live. Uh, being positive in a pandemic and then uh, being sensitive to people and then uh, mastering our, our mouth. Look at verse 2 of chapter 3. Chapter 3. For in many things we offend all, if any man offend not in word, word, your words, your texts, your Facebook posts. Uh, the same as a perfect man. Chapter 6, or verse number 6. The tongue is a fire, a world of iniquity. Uh, the first thing the doctor asks you uh, when you come in is stick out your tongue. Stick out your tongue. Uh, it was popularized in World War II. Loose lips sink ships. It, it's as true today. Loose lips sink relationships. Slicing and dicing and criticizing. Uh, you're going to see in James chapter 3 how the tongue is like a rudder of a ship. It directs where I go. Uh, the tongue is like the bit in a horse's mouth. It directs where I go. Uh, you're going to see in chapter 3 how the tongue is like a flame, like a poisonous snake. It can destroy what I have. Uh, the tongue is like uh, a, a, a spring of water, the, the fruit from a tree. Uh, it displays who I am. That's all in chapter 3. Boy, this changes the gospel. This changes. They marveled at his gracious words. They should marvel at our gracious words with each other. Let no corrupt communication proceed out of your mouth. Corrupt, tearing down. But that which is good to the use of edifying, building up, that it may minister grace unto the hearers. In fact, verse number 26 of chapter 1 says, if any man among you seem to be religious, boy, they put on, they wear that mask, they dress up, they show up, they are in their place having that form of godliness. Look at it. If any man seem to be religious and is critical of a brother, critical of a sister, is talking down, negative, uh, gossiping, and bridleth not his own tongue, but deceiveth his heart, this man's religion is vain. James 1, verse 26. This man's religion is hollow. This man's religion is empty. I don't care how you dress up, how you show up. I don't care how religious you seem. If you're negative and critical, pharisaical, fault-finding, constantly, constantly nitpicking, uh, my Bible says your religion is vain. Hey, and we're going to get into all of that. This changes. The gospel changes. When I got saved, uh, my faith in Christ, hey, the gospel, this changes everything. In the fourth chapter of change, write it down, 
it prompts me to be a peacemaker, not a troublemaker. A peacemaker, or my peacemaking, not my troublemaking. Chapter 4, verse 1. From whence come wars and fightings among you? Come they not hence, even of your own lust, which war in your own members? And so, all of this, we're going to hit all of this. Why? Because this changes everything. If you're saved, if you've placed your faith in Christ, it shouldn't just change your Sunday. It shouldn't just change your Sunday morning schedule. It should touch every area of our life. Put down chapter, chapter 5, the, the fifth chapter. Again, flight plan. This is where we're headed. And I'm only giving you the big picture because there's so many details inside of this, so many different uh, ways it touches every area of our life. Uh, the book of James is, for so many people, one of their favorite books of the Bible. Uh, and in verse number 1, my brethren counted all joy. Chapter 2, my brethren. Chapter 3, my brethren. And though uh, it's listed, written to the 12 tribes of Israel, it affects every one of us. Chapter 5, the fifth chapter of change we're going to look at is the gospel. Uh, the gospel promotes my patience and my prayerfulness. It promotes, promotes my patience and my prayerfulness. James 5, 7 through 8, patience. James 5, 17 through 18, the patience of Job, the patience of a farmer. Uh, but then, uh, in James 5, 17 through 18, it's talking about the prayers of Elijah. Uh, prayers used four times. Patience is used seven times. Uh, listen, right up here. All I'm trying to say is the gospel, the gospel, this, the gospel, Christ, the gospel, being born again. James went from uh, intrigued by him, curious about him, but not believing in him. Uh, intrigued by him, curious about him, maybe even studying him, but, but not changed by him, not believing uh, in him. Uh, and when he was saved, the gospel, boy, this changes everything. In the upper room praying, uh, a leader in the early church, pastoring the church at Jerusalem, presiding over that Jerusalem council, that, that, that huge doctrinal debate, uh, Galatians 2, calling him a pillar of the church. And so where Ephesians sets us up, three chapters, and, uh, and you're highly favored, and you're blessed, you're included in the family, and you're seated in Christ, in heavenly place, the right hand of the Father, and uh, that's who you are in Christ. That's what you have by Christ. That's how you're blessed, because of Christ. And then it starts, uh, James, it's right out of the gate. If you're saved, my brethren, uh, if you're saved, my brethren, then, then it should touch every area of your life. Paul is a great example of this. Uh, Paul, who was persecuting Christians, imprisoning Christians, uh, yea, even killing Christians, but on the road to Damascus, that, when he met Christ, this changed everything. By turning around, not killing Christians, but planting churches. Uh, not hailing them and imprisoning them and, and persecuting them, but one of the greatest missionaries that ever lived, church planters that ever lived, that uh, wrote some 13, 14 books uh, of the Bible. Why? Because of the gospel. Because of the Lord Jesus Christ. Uh, I'll give you another one, the maniac of the Gadareans. <laughs> Remember him when 
uh, he first bursts on a little less, a little less, uh, bursts onto the scene. He's naked, I'm telling you, uh, just in, in all of his newborn glory, naked, and he's uh, living in tombs and in caves. Uh, he's self-destructive. The Bible says no man could bind him, no, not with chains. He was demon-possessed. But when he met Christ, when he came face to face with the gospel, the gospel, the next time we see him, he's clothed and in his right mind, sitting at the feet of Jesus and worshiping the Son of God. Boy, it changes everything. It's almost that B.C., A.D., all of history pivots, pivots on the Lord Jesus Christ. What think ye of Christ? makes all the difference in the world. And for my life, when I was 18 years old, 18 years without Christ, heading a different direction, 18 years without Christ, living a different life, 18 years without Christ, struggling for purpose, but then when I trusted Christ, the gospel, uh, the Lord Jesus, my faith in Him, this changed everything. I sure hope for you. I hope there's somewhere along your journey that you've come face to face with the gospel, that you've trusted him, you've placed your faith in him. And again, let me be very careful to say for James, it didn't change anything around him, but it changed everything about him. Now, it didn't change anything around him, but it changed everything inside of him. And that is today's message. We invite you to tune in next time with Scott Toole as he presents another message from Rosedale Baptist Church. For more information about today's presentation or about the ministries of Rosedale Baptist Church, go online to rosedalebaptist.org. That's rosedalebaptist.org. Join us again next time as we study the Bible chapter by chapter, verse by verse.